everybody! Hey! Welcome to Y'all Heard? Y'all Heard. This is a <laughs> You guys don't get to see Marissa when you listen. Um, but the coy way she throws her face forward when she says, <laughs> Y'all Heard. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is a podcast where uh, me, Pete Phillips... And me, Marissa Phillips, we're not related. ...come together and try to tell you about things that you might not know about. Uh, so that we can sort of, yeah, you know, pique your interest and tell you things you don't know. In other words, we tell you about things you didn't know you needed to know. And this is our fourth episode. Yeah. And uh, on an upcoming episode, I'm going to say that before Marissa does and just watch her squirm. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> but instead, she'll just be like, yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> so Marissa's had a terrible day and mm, a not so hot week. Uh, so, Marissa, <laughs> how about instead of you telling us how your week is, you tell us a couple of things that you have liked about the week. I'm going to, but I would just like to give a warning. I'm on a medicine that gives me insomnia and wakes me up weirdly at 5.55 every day. And if I don't make sense, that's why. That's life for me. slept enough <laughs> for like a week. But, okay, um, so... There were two things I really liked this week. One is I um, cosplayed with a bunch of Latino and Latina cosplayers at the Puerto Rican Parade in Philadelphia, um, representing the Nerdtino uh, Latino Comic Convention that's coming up in Philadelphia in November 18th. And that was very exciting because I've never cosplayed with an all-Latino cosplay crew. And when I was little... I thought brown people couldn't cosplay as characters because there's, like, no brown anime characters. Spoiler so alert, this is a subculture, and we will be talking about subcultures today. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very meaningful to me, and it was really fun, and I met a lot of awesome people. Um, and the other awesome thing that happened this week was my cousin Elisa was listening to our Smash Cake episode. Smash. And then- <laughs> Did you say smashed? Okay. And then she texted me to tell me that my cousin Jasmine made her make an extravagant two-layer smash cake made with fondant that the baby had no idea what to do about. Also, fondant is not smashable. (sighs) Yeah, exactly. But I like it because it was funny. But I like how this comes up because I almost think that maybe ten episodes from now... We should do like a sort of retrospective of how all the things that we talked about have started to emerge even more in our life. Because after we did the Smash Cake episode, I was driving in the car and some local radio DJ in between songs was like, yeah, I'm having a birthday from a one-year-old kid. We're making a Smash Cake. And I was like, ah, and I drove into a wall. And then I was leaving work one day and I saw some college kid walking by in a Venmo shirt and I wanted to stop him and say, excuse me, can I take a picture of you (laughs) so that I can send it to my friend? But I didn't. Yesterday, I went out with my friend, who I referenced, always asked me if I have Venmo. She doesn't ask me anymore. And I, we couldn't split the bill, uh, and they don't take cards. So I said, do you want me to pay you back later, or I can PayPal you? Nice. She goes, no, you can't PayPal me. <laughs> she said, absolutely not. I'm not, down- I'm not downloading <gasps> PayPal. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Come full circle, bitches. <laughs> 
I don't like that. That was my week. I don't like that, that at was my all. Week. Anything with you? I'm really happy that both of your things had to do with human beings. Um, mine don't. I wanted to talk about how I was actually going to draw a chart of of how my week goes and how it peaks at the Chris Gethard show, which is on True TV on Thursday nights at 11. So if you're not watching it, it's on Thursday nights at 11, and I understand why you might not be watching it because that's yeah. late. And it's on True TV. You might not know whether or not you have True TV. (laughs) But, yeah, it's a fun show, and I like how he has a bunch of diverse guests. The last episode wasn't exactly the greatest, but it was still funny all the way through. Wanda Sykes was on there. John Mulaney. Julie Klausner. Method Man. He has, like, I like how he gets a bunch of different people. And it's a live show, and it used to be a public access show, and it still has that production quality. So it kind of reminds me of something. Is this an advertisement? Sort of. It's more of an endorsement, but it reminds me of something that you and I would put together. Like, if you take the uh, audio production quality of what we have here compared to our friend's podcast, Citizen Lit, where there's a lot of great audio production, you know, this is just what we got, so we do the best with what we got. I also wanted to say that I watched the uh, this series called Manhunt Unabomber on Netflix, and I was reminded of just how right the Unabomber was about technology's effect on society and how we're all going to hell. <laughs> Oh. Also, though, before we proceed... That's a hot take. I, I did actually want to advertise something. Um, the Good Good Comedy Theater, if you're living near Marissa, they're having a United for Puerto Rico fundraiser next uh, next Friday. So listen to this, because next Friday is actually... I'm sorry, next Saturday is actually tomorrow by the time you might listen to this. So if you happen to listen to it and you live by Marissa, then go check that out. It's at 8 o'clock, and I don't know what the tickets cost, but it's... It's a fundraiser, so pay whatever they are. Yeah. Puerto Rico deserves it. I'm yeah. Puerto Rican. <laughs> they don't deserve it because I'm Puerto Rican, but just know that I'm Puerto Rican. Anyway. So who's going first today? I'm going first. Okay. Um, for no real reason, except that you went first last time. That's all. Okay. And then... Hit it. Yeah. I'm hitting it. So, okay. one day, I'm sitting around on Instagram... And I actually do go to the Discover tab sometimes in Instagram. And it was like, you should be following this young woman who uh, who knits and reads and has a dog and a cat. So those were all the pictures. And I was like, all right, nice. And then there was a post where she was like, I'm getting some stuff together to record the next my next knitting podcast. And I was like, what? Wait a minute. Come to find out, it's a video-based thing. It's basically a YouTube channel. It's not a podcast. But the words knitting podcast sort of stuck in my head. So I Googled it, and I found out that, yes, knitting podcasts do exist. Um, the most famous knitting podcast is called the Knit More Girls. Ew. And it's, it's predominantly hosted by a woman um, and her mother, who she brings in, now, I don't actually know enough about the Gilmore Girls to know the whole, like, how many people are involved in that. Is this, like, a three-generation thing or a two-generation thing in the Gilmore Girls? Like, two generations prominently, but actually three generations. Okay. Like, is... But prominently two. Is the third generation, like, a baby? Or is it, like, an no, old No, third person? generation is the grandmother who's a bitch and they don't show a lot. Okay. So that's certainly not the mother slash grandmother in the Knit More Girls. She is not a bitch. She seems like a sweet lady. In fact, oh, yeah. the daughter who runs, who seems to run the Knit More Girls podcast, she seems kind of impatient with her mother. Um, and it really seems like she's going, like, blah, 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 blah. Right, Mom? And then the mother's like, 
oh, yes, I would love to have some tea. Whatever, Mom. And then and they just come back to what the daughter really wants to talk about. And I imagine there's like baby, there's children involved, and I imagine this woman is breeding one of her children to become oh, a mother as well. Oh, I forgot. There's no visuals, is there? No, there's no that. That's thank you for saying that because that is sort of the point, right? So when you see this person from Instagram, who by the way is the charm of it, that is her name on Instagram, no underscores or anything, um, and I think it's the same thing on YouTube. But anyway. Uh, when you watch her knit something or show you things that she knitted and you see like the intricate patterns and everything like that, you're like, oh, I get it. Knitting. Okay. I can learn to knit by watching this, this woman's show. When you listen to the Knit More Girls, all they do is talk about knitting, which I get it. If I listen to uh, a hobby-related podcast, I expect them to just talk about the hobby. Like if oh, okay. I listen to Car Talk... That's all I can think of that's hobby related, and um, it's not even really a show anymore on NPR. But if I were to listen to that, I would expect them to talk about cars. In fact, when they don't talk about cars, it's like shocking, right? Um, But on the Knit More Girls, yeah, they pretty much talk about knitting. If you don't know anything about knitting, there is no way for you to get into it because you don't know what the hell they're talking about. They talk about different needles. They talk about different yarn. They talk about different patterns they talk about store-bought patterns and original patterns all these kinds of things and it's kind of crazy and it's kind of uncomfortable for me to listen to one because i have no frame of reference for the entire knitting operation and two because i really get upset with the way that the host treats her mother (laughs) see pete we usually never really discuss our topics ahead of time but pete mentioned it briefly last week and I just wanted so bad for it to be like, and now I'm going to do a box stitch. <laughs> that like, that isn't what is that ASMR? A, <laughs> that would yeah, be a, oh, yeah, oh a God, knitting <laughs> ASMR but I hope it wasn't even intentional. Like from a comedic standpoint, that would be awesome because <laughs> it would be absurd. But yeah, like I don't know. I guess that's where like we're ignorant because we don't know about enough about knitting. Maybe like like glam girls get these kind of knitting. What are they called? Needles and and goth girls have black <laughs> needles and but here's and, so what? when I was talking to Marissa about this a little bit ahead of time, I was like, yeah, knitting podcast, and she was like, what is a knitting podcast like? Like, what are you working on? I'm working on a sweater. Cool. Yeah, that's it. Like, that's <laughs> one of their segments. What are you working on? And I felt really bad because the the mother on the episode was kind of like. Well, you know, I've been on the run a lot lately and, like, sitting in waiting rooms and things like that. And so I want to start a project, but, like, I never have on a place. On the run? <laughs> She's like, I never have a place where I'm at for a really long time. And so I'm trying to find things that would be small projects that I could sort of take with me. Yeah, like if I'm in a doctor's office or I'm waiting to pick up the kids or something like that. Uh-oh. And then the daughter is like, yeah, I'm working on the same thing I was working on last week because I haven't found any time to work on it. And so this is how I tried to trick myself into knitting every day. So they also sort of addressed knitter's block where (laughs) you're sort of ready to start. Like you have the ambition to work. You just don't have the idea or the product to work on. How frequent is this podcast? Uh, It's a weekly podcast. That's disgusting. (laughs) Yes, it is. And how long is the, what are you working on? Like, what are you working on? A dog blanket. What are you working on? A shoe bonnet. A shoe oh. bonnet. There's lots of shoe bonnets, yeah. No, it'd be like, Sometimes they're called think? socks. <laughs> shut up, shut up. I, I don't know exactly how long each segment was. They did vary in length. Some of them were like 
maybe a, a two minutes. Um, but one of the things that I hated the most was that the daughter would be like, so what are you working on? And they would have this little conversation, and she would be like, that's the end of that segment. Let's go to the next segment. And then they would play a commercial. Who the hell is sponsoring a knitting podcast? It better only be something that sells knitting needles, not like audible.com. It's not audible.com. No, no, no. It is. It's predominantly people selling patterns, knitting okay. websites, knitting communities, because apparently that's a thing. You know how, like, if you're, a, say, like, uh, oh, man, I can't think of something good right now. Let's say you're, like, a music p- person, and you're making a song, and you have, like, track one, track two, track three, and you're doing a mix down, something like that. Yeah. You sort of save your parts, and you show where you're at and everything like that. There's technology now where you could put that stuff on the cloud. So I could say, map out part of the song, and I could send it to you, my collaborator, and you could do an extra part or something like that. Well, that stuff exists for knitting too. Like you set benchmarks for yourself and goals and things. Like there's a whole, almost like Weight Watchers, but for knitting in a way. (laughs) Like something to keep you motivated, and you report to a community, and you show your progress and everything like that. Very weird. I mean, to me, I'm just like, oh, this sounds boring. I but like, I have a friend, a really good friend who knits a lot, so I feel like, okay, maybe it's cool or something. But it just I have to, boring. I have to admit, if I felt like I had the aptitude, I would love to learn how to knit, but like real basic knitting. Um, yeah. but I, I don't think I do. Like I tried to do uh, latch hook, and that confused the shit out of me. So. Oh, yeah. Um, So I felt like me and Yarn had a short-lived stay. But this opened up my eyes to the fact that a knitting subculture exists. Now, uh, being a podcast fan myself, I have heard, like, episodes of How Did This Get Made where people go to see the live show and they're knitting in the crowd and, you know, the the people kind of, like, pick on them a little bit. And it's just like, okay, so it's a thing that you can do while you're doing something else. Um, almost like how I can do like mindless work with the TV on or something like that. Yeah. So I understand how maybe it's something, you know, nervous energy with your hands, whatever it may be. I get it. But I also didn't know that it was such a robust and profitable sort of subculture where people could make money, yeah, by building entire online communities dedicated to your progress and stuff. I felt just as surprised when I discovered that that like uh what is it like like weight loss types of communities that there's more than one that they like lock in with your facebook that you can tell your friends how much weight you're losing all that stuff and i'm just like what but there's weight watchers why does under armor have one and why does this organization have one i don't understand making tons of money off stuff i don't i don't get it i mean yeah i don't know i mean this definitely wouldn't like exist like this if it wasn't for the internet but, like, I kind of did know it was a... I didn't know there were knitting podcasts, because that sounds absurd to me, because it seems like a very visual thing. But I did, like... I don't know what you call it, but have you ever seen, like... Not vandalism, but, like, like oh, gorilla knitting? you're talking people, like, about graffiti knitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there has to be a subculture of there's graffiti knitters. Yarn bombs, you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> well... That was, those are the two most interesting subcultures of the subculture. Subculture. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, science knitters. Hold on to yourself, Marissa. AKA math knit Shut up. 
who look at the optics and the like patterns and the illusions that emerge from the patterns when you're knitting. That was kind of interesting, uh, aside from the name. And then, yes, there were also these graffiti knitters, uh, people who, yeah, sort of, like, you'll, you'll knit, say, a sleeve for a tree, and you'll wrap the tree in it, and then you'll disappear like Banksy. And people are like, who put that wonderful, gigantic sock on that tree? Which I read a couple of people proposing that it could actually cause harm to the tree. Um, and they're not that pretty. Sorry. <laughs> um, in 2010, <laughs> The Guardian, you know, British newspaper The Guardian, yeah. uh, wrote a story that I did not read because what's the point of reading it after reading the headline? The Graffiti Knitting Epidemic. <laughs> Ugh, whatever. <laughs> a bunch of graffiti knitters are on the loose in the UK, hellbent on liberating us from the forces of drabness. They probably all have tattoos that say knit punks. With an X? Oh, of course. <laughs> um, the other thing that I discovered was peace fleece, which is knitting for social justice. So That's not a thing. <laughs> that Nobody gets social justice from knitting. I knew somebody must somehow. And so I believe the way that that organization works is that you knit things, people buy them, and the money for it goes okay. to social okay. justice. Yeah. Fine. That's fine. Whatever. But I do understand it as a social act and as a meditative act. Um, I just, yeah, am kind of bummed that I don't have the aptitude. I guess since the moment you mentioned this, I just wanted to say that there better be a knitting podcast called The Knitwit. I have to say there's endless amounts of puns in all of the knitting uh, research that I did. Like, give me one more. No. Okay, cool. <laughs> Because I'm mean, going to have to think too long. I mean, isn't peace fleece enough? Come on. <laughs> I mean, ugh, whatever. Yeah. So, my big question is, do you have more or less respect for the knitting subculture after your research? Uh, I would say that my level has not changed. Um, okay. Perhaps in three days I will forget all of this. Okay. <laughs> and it will be just as important as it is right now. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But yeah, I still like the charm of it. The yeah. person from Instagram, I still like the things that she puts out. And when she takes a picture of, of like a new sweater that she knitted, I'm like, look at that. I'm amazed. She may as well be like a doctor taking a picture of a sewn up chest and going, look at this person's life I just saved. To me, it's like, I don't know how to do that either. I see you shaking your head, but to me, it's just as amazing. <laughs> You're a man who enjoys wonder. That's yep. good. Yep. That's good. I am a wonderful man. <laughs> yes. Well, with absolutely no natural segue. From one culture to another. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to be talking about furries. And furries have been very dear to me, in a sense, uh, for a very long time, specifically because, as I start all of mine with a personal story, in college, I had a very regrettable fashion mullet. Do you remember my fashion mullet? Yes. Okay. I remember uh, the first time that I heard her call it a fashion mullet. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, and I had I a like, fashion mullet. Isn't that just a I mullet? Had, <laughs> it was kind of, well, just when it was like a seamy mullet. It wasn't like an 80s mullet. So, coincidentally. Mullet subculture, so I people. Skin, I was kind of dressing like punk rock at the time, and I had a mullet. There was a man about my height that went to my same school that had a mullet. 
Um, he kind of was a bit effeminate, so he kind of had, like, a woman's gait and, like, kind of dressed in, like, unisex-type clothing. And he was also dark-skinned. So, oftentimes, people mistook us for each other from afar. Sometimes when they saw us from behind, they would think he was me and vice versa. And, like, somebody's just walking by quickly, they would be like, oh, my gosh, I saw your doppelganger. So, I was like, oh, my goodness, I need to find out all about this person. So I looked up my male doppelganger in college. This is and, the way that Marissa works. <laughs> and my oh my, after stalking him on the internet, I found out he was a furry. And very specifically, he had very sensual drawings of his bat persona on the internet. So it was like just a persona of him as a bat, like being real sexy and sensual. But just, and, um, just drawings. Yeah, just drawings. So I'll, I'll expand upon that later. Uh, but, yeah, I actually confronted him and was like, I'm writing an article about furries. Can you tell me all about them? I don't know how. Please, I used to go please undercover. clarify for the audience that this was a bald-faced lie. <laughs> I think so. Oh, God. <laughs> this is, I'll get into this more another time. But I used to go, quote, undercover Many times in college, I somehow got in the Nazi message board so I could track what Nazis were doing. I went on a furry dating site so I could see everyone who I knew was a furry. I did a lot of weird stuff. Pressure, no pressured one. by a professor, if I remember correctly. <laughs> kind of, kind of. But yeah, like for journalism. But anyway, so that's how I became interested in furries. So when I decided to do furries, first of all, I did not realize how much there was to delve into. My Google profile, not really too too different after doing some research for knitter. <laughs> what do you mean? Like yours, your history is just trash now. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, oh, man, yeah. Uh, I Pete, found Pete was interested in knitting for a few hours. <laughs> Marissa has a sexual problem. I was Googling it when my boyfriend was here, and he was in the other room, and he came in, and he goes, what are you doing? And he manually, without asking me, closed every single window on my computer. <laughs> but anyway, so I was torn. I was like, am I going to talk about the really creepy, dark aspect of furrydom? Uh, the, the yiffers and the plushies? <laughs> I will go into what that means. You better. Or am I going to kind of try to see, like why people do it in like a non-sexual sense. So I actually decided to kind of try to relate to furries. And instead of talking about how dark things get, I tried to just understand furrydom. So, all right. So what is a furry? For people who don't know what a furry is, um, it's someone who is fascinated with anthropomorphic animals. You don't necessarily have to dress like an animal to be a furry. You're just into the fandom. So they're fans of media with anthropomorphic animals, uh, like cartoons, or maybe they do the art, or maybe they're like writing fan fiction. Like you could be or, a fan of football, but not actually play football. Yeah, exactly. So that's what a furry is in the basic sense. Um, so like, where the hell did that come from? Um, you might think. Like, if you kind of go back in history... It um, all comes back to Egypt, everybody. Ooh, way to beat me to it. <laughs> so, yeah, anthropomorphic, animal, <laughs> anthropomorphic animals were found in art in many ancient cultures. 
um, particularly Egypt mythology, which a lot of furry artists use for inspiration today. Everything um, I know about Egypt I learned from Stargate. <laughs> That's for you, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, I hope you appreciate that, Lito, our number one fan. Um, so I also unlocked on Wikifur, or, or the Wikipedia of furry fandom, unlocked some things that I was like, what? So, okay, the earliest example of anthropomorphic literature commonly cited by furry fans is Aesop's Fables, which, okay, makes sense, but I didn't think about that as, like, a furry inspiration. And significant milestones in furrydom include Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland, uh, Beatrix Potter's illustrated children's books, Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book, uh and the island of dr moreau so okay i guess i never would have so wait wait help me out just because i imagine other people might be thinking this what would be the difference of like watching like uh bugs bunny like does bugs bunny count as like a furry kind of thing just because the main character is an animal who has human characteristics well yes and now this was a part that i need to delve deeper into just from my own personal knowledge or wait do i have to get a boner for this to matter (laughs) No, 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 no. Okay. Okay, okay. But wait, let me get there. Okay. But actually, what you said is a perfectly good question. So there's actually, like, two factions. There's funny animal fandom, and there's furry fandom. Funny animal fandom is kind of like people into, like, Bugs Bunny and classic cartoons and, like, Golden Age cartoons. But then, later on, like, through sci-fi conventions and the fantasy community, a unique group of those funny fandom people kind of became furries its own thing. So does that make sense? Like, funny animals is like just the pure... People who consider them funny animal fans are mostly just into, like, the old-fashioned cartoons and not, like, delving deep into, like, the furry costumes and, and, like, the sexual parts and stuff. But then furries are, like, a kind of more extreme, maybe a little bit more, like, unique offshoot... And people who are in funny animal, animal fandom do not want to be called furries because of just, all the negative connotations. Finish the R into an N. Yes, like that's, exactly. It's dangerously close. I know. So, Pete, if you were to guess what demographically furry fandom is mostly comprised of, what would you say? See, I feel like I know too much about this uh, because I don't think that there is like a target demographic. I feel like there's men, there's women. I've seen various uh, like ethnic backgrounds, all, all these kinds of things. So, I mean, I would say the only thing that I would guess is, is maybe predominant would be, I would say, like 25 to 40. Okay. So there definitely are, is furry fandom across the board. And I, too, I kind of thought of, for some reason I thought it skewed, yeah, like kind of older but according to a article on psychology today i think that's the name of the magazine uh that is a magazine okay yeah got the right yeah (laughs) according to their magazine i forgot it's psychology now or psychology today uh according to their research furry fandom is comprised predominantly of white males in their teens and mid-20s and that's not to say there aren't plenty more but that's predominantly what the scene is made of um you know what? I just want to throw out there that that's bullshit. Because, of course, white men 
in their teens. Well, they don't have any problems to deal with. Of course they can get into shit like this. They're probably like the number one meth uh, demographic well, too. <laughs> and so when a lot of people think of furries, they usually think of the people in those fursuits. But actually, also according to that article, only 20% of furries actually wear those fursuits. And the fursuits are not necessarily a sexual thing like most people think. Um, many people just consider it like a form of self-expression. Um, because basically, most furries create what is called a fursona. <laughs> that is a furry-themed either avatar, uh, like for like Second Life or for a message board, or it's their furry alter ego that they use just to interact with members of the fandom. So whether it's like the art they create that represents them, or whether it's their costume. So, even though only 20% of the furries wear fursuits, um, man, are they... Okay. Now, I was doing research about a lady that makes fursuits for a living, and I was dramatized by one sentence. I have been researching furries on and off since I was 18. And just the fact that she made a fursuit... She made a fox fursuit that had taxidermy eyes, hand-molded silicone paws, and a muzzle. She made a hyena one with cartoonish hand-stitched stripes and airbrushed abs. Uh, And another hyena with flirty eyelashes and a curvaceous padded chest. Um, That reminds me that in college, with my friend, we were looking at videos from furry conventions, and I saw a busty rhinoceros giving a man a lap dance. I just wanted to say that sentence. <laughs> yes. Um, now, another misconception about furries um, is that many people might think that furries, like, believe themselves to be animals. Like, they believe, like, oh, there is a, a wolf within me, so I need to dress like that to convey that. But that is actually a different group called Therians, um, who sense of self is something that's non-human. So furries, like I said, it's just fandom. It's not like they think they are animals. Mm-hmm. Um, delving a little bit more like, why is someone a furry? Like, besides, yeah, like, oh, because, I really like... Because you keep talking about... Another thing that people think you haven't gotten to, another thing that people think is that all furries are boning each other in animal suits. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. This is right. <laughs> okay. So this is kind of this. Like... I was thinking, like, you know, everyone thinks it's either for, like, but everyone thinks it's basically for sex. Um, But, like, I looked into, like, again, the Psychology Today article, like, saying, like, why are people furries? Um, According to the article, people in the furry community are, it's seven times more likely than the general population to identify as transgender and five times more likely to identify as non-heterosexual. Um... So basically, the community is known for its inclusivity. Um, And the fandom, you know, is just kind of really accepting of people that might not fit into societal norms. Um, And in the studies, about 50% of the people in the community uh, are more likely than the average person to report that they were bullied during childhood. Um, So for most people, furry fandom is more than just, like, 
being obsessed with like you know cartoon characters or you know the dark sexual thing that everyone like fixates on it's mostly like being in a safe really welcoming environment and like building a community with really open-minded people and i have known some people that were furries that didn't dress up in costumes and just like even were peri- only peripherally interested in like furrydom itself but they just really liked being around furries so i do a actually believe that some people do just genuinely go there because it's just like this really like really welcoming environment and that it's not all wanting to have sex that said there are the furries that just want to have sex uh and yif which i mentioned or yiffers which i mentioned at the beginning are furries who oh wait yeah yif is furry porn and yiffers are furries that like to have orgies and are really into the sexual part. And um, a plushie is someone who likes to have sex with a plush animal, which a lot of people think is a furry, but that's different. Like, that's totally different. Because it's not a person in a plush animal suit. It's a... Yeah, it's just like a plush doll with a, quote, strategically placed hole. So to end it out... I would like to just give a few furry vocabulary terms that I learned about. And I will tell you the term first, and you tell me what you think it means. First term, gray muzzle. Gray muzzle. I really wish this was multiple choice. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. A gray muzzle, I mean, is that like an older? Yeah, good job. Yeah, all right. Older furry fan. Okay. Scritch. Yeah, no, I got nothing. Scritch. Let's see. A scritch. Can can you use it in a sentence? Um. Yes. <laughs> where's Barry? Oh, he's over there scritching Gwendolyn. All right. It's not humping, right? No. Okay. It's the act of gently scratching someone's back, neck, or behind the ears in an affectionate manner using one's fingernails. So it's kind of like grooming and petting your own uh, furry friends. All right, fur pile. What do you think is a fur pile? A fur pile's got to be a bunch of furries just laying on each other. Yeah, and I it think is. that it's not just necessarily a sexual thing. Like you were saying, it could be like a more of a camaraderie, friendship kind of thing. Kind of like when people like to hug each other. That's and actually like, 100% on the money. It's typically yes. not a sexual thing. It's just, like, one furry, like, a bunch of furries just piling on each other for fun or, like, resting or something. And what is fur bay? Fur bay. Can you spell it? F-U-R-B-A-Y. Okay, that's what I thought. Let's see. Fur bay is uh, the furry capital of California. <laughs> okay. Furbay is now an obsolete term, but it used to be used to describe eBay because in the late 1990s, 80% of furry auctions ran through eBay. But now um, most of the furries get their stuff from furry auction sites such as Furbid, Furby, and Furry Auction. I'm still a little upset that I didn't stand a chance in getting that definition. Yeah. 
And the last one I'll just tell you, this one was absurd and very obvious, was persecution. Give me a chance. Persecution? Yes. I mean, obviously, that's when people persecute you for being a furry. Well, yes, but it's kind of like a derogative term of, like, come to mean the perceived persecution of furries by elements of uh, outside the fandom. And, yeah, it's, it's to... It's to suggest furries overreacting to criticism. Ouch. Like, oh, you guys are persecuted. <laughs> Facing wow. so much persecution. There's a lot of... I don't like that. Being present yeah. in the community. I thought I thought this was a trusting and loving community. Well, Here they are <laughs> harassing each other. And the last bit I would like to tell you is, if you either don't believe me when I say it's not all about sex... Or you just want to see it, which, by the way, I watched some skits that happen at furry conventions. So, like, I read all this, and I was like, wow, I actually kind of get it. Like, it's just, like, a weird way, like, to want to, like, have a welcoming community. But then I watched some skits happening at furry conventions, and I was like, no, there's something deeper and darker here than I understand. And they weren't even dirty. They were just like, hey, hey. And they were just like, I was just like, why... Why are people doing this? See, I think the thing that makes me nerve not nervous, but I think the thing that I don't quite understand is how much this crosses over into like childhood entertainment. Because what you're what you that mock skit that you just sort of did reminded <laughs> me of, like a Teletubbies Barney type thing, right? And That's... these are creatures in I know Teletubbies aren't animals per se, but like in creature suits acting all happy and stuff. Yeah. And what blows my mind because like yeah are we supposed to grow out of it yeah i don't know like that's the part that i couldn't fully grasp either like how much the overlap was and i was just like i didn't feel totally comfortable it was just like adults that were like whoa i really like sexy rhinos but like if it's like i really like sexy rhinos but then we're also gonna act kind of like childish cartoons that makes me uncomfortable but i do think those might be just two totally segmented groups like i think like like some people are in it for the more like pure cartoony form, and some people are in for the busty rhinos. I think those are. Well, yeah. Yeah. By the way, oh man, I stumbled upon so many topless cats with women-shaped, regular human boobs while right. I was See that? This. Why? Why? Come on. Now, I recently heard this this thing that I had never heard before, which is that when you meet a. Um, it's a theory. I don't know if there's anything behind it, and I had heard it secondhand. But it's this idea that when you meet a woman who has like one of those like baby voices, uh-huh. the idea is that, or the theory is that something traumatic happened to them when they naturally had that voice, and they just haven't Whoa. let go of it. Like it's some sort of subconscious, subliminal thing. Um, and I Whoa, wonder I've too. Never if, heard that. I wonder too, though, if that would have something to do as well with this whole furry explanation. Like, if you had something traumatic happen to you as a child, and as a child you were into all these anthropomorphic animal characters and things like that, if that's something that for some reason sticks with you. Again, not solely in a sexual way, but just in a sort of like how you process the world and psychologically and all that sort of stuff. But that's an interesting point. Yeah, I never heard. That. Um. Well, what I was going to say was. You know, like I said, if you're like, ooh, I'm curious myself, the Not. largest fur convention in the world is Anthrocon, which is actually in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It takes place every June or July. So if you want to 
really delve deep and do your own research, you can go to Anthrocon. I wanted to go so bad. Marissa's actually going to start a Patreon for the show. You can donate money to it. And, and she will take all the money. I will let her take all the money to go to Anthrocon? Yeah, Anthrocon. Anthropomorphic Con. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I was once going to go with my old professor. I feel like I don't want to explain that anymore. Uh, but uh, it didn't work out. My exposure to furries comes from CSI. And Law and Order. Yeah, people are not pumped about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also was like, again, Marissa and I had sort of exchanged uh, topics today. And so I wanted to check to see if I could sort of loop it around. And of course, of course, there are furry podcasts. Oh, yeah. Duh, I, didn't even I give you one obvious guess as to what a furry podcast is called. The Furcast? Yep. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Uh, and it's a audio podcast, but also a video podcast, almost like how they used to have cameras inside the studio for the Howard Stern show. Okay. It's just like video of somebody doing a radio or like That's... doing an audio presentation. Are they, oh my God, oh my God, are they in the fursuits? No. Oh, I mean, maybe... such a missed opportunity. <laughs> maybe in some episodes, but I just previewed the latest episode today and so no, they confused. weren't. Yeah, I'm so that, excited. I you know what? I don't even know why it didn't register in my mind when I saw that they were not in suits and why I was not outraged. Yeah, like that's absurd. But um, yeah. So that yeah. So before we wrap up, Pete, tell me what the name. Oh, you had more time to rethink it. What animal you would be and what your name would be? Ah, oh, jeez, I don't. I, 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 I didn't think about it at all. Here's my problem. I'm not much of a persona person. I can't but, imagine building an identity. Okay. Fine. What I don't know you? what... Go ahead, what? you. you, no, you, I, was, you I don't know what name I would have, but I would definitely be like a sexy raven. Alright. Which is weird, because I promise it's not influenced by you being a raven. I was like, clear your head think of an animal, and that is it. And I went with Flamingo. <laughs> Pete, that's some clown shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe my fursona is... A clown? Is a clown, yeah. Okay, fine, I'll buy this. Yeah, it's not me, right? <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. You're totally right. Okay. What's your raven all about? I feel like your raven is a little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, fine. Bye. That's all I have about furries, guys. It was very just don't. Yeah, be careful if you choose to look into your. Really, just trust Marissa. Don't do any of this research yourself. If you do, learn how to use your browsers in private or incognito mode, (laughs) so that way it doesn't get attached to your like say Google account forever. Or you know, I mean, the traffic will still get reported to your work's internet uh, provider, but you know. Will it really? Oh. <laughs> what? What? Will it really? Did, did you do furry research at work? No, not at work, but I used my Google account. Well, yeah, Google's oh. tracking everything you're searching all the time. Okay. Customizing gotta... ads for that. Yeah, so that's if great. next week you see ads for fur costumes. That's great. Okay. Cool.
I want to plug this great Instagram that I follow called Courtship of Veneer. That's C-O-U-R-T-S-H-I-P-O-F-V-E-N-E-E-R. There's all sorts of Victorian photographs, etiquette, advice. Uh, There's, I think, up to four or five characters that deliver the information to you. It's a great thing to follow, and I would strongly suggest it. I just want to clarify that it's Neo-Victorian's. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> plug your own shit next time. <laughs> I, I will plug Sports Card Truth, an Instagram that is fun, but sometimes disconcertingly dark, that tells the true thoughts of your favorite retro sports heroes. Sports Card Truth, T-R-U-T-H-S. Truth is a weird word. Not T-R-O-O. Not sports card tooths. Yes, that's that's another one that Pete will come up with next. We will see you next week, guys! Woo! Woo!